All right, uh, let's go to two passages uh, tonight. Mark your Bibles in First Chronicles 15, where our text is 2 Samuel 6. So stand in honor of God's word. 2 Samuel and chapter number 6. I just love it that, uh, you know, on, on Sunday mornings, the young people have a service. In fact, uh, you know, the song that the young man just sang, we're, we're at the cross on Sunday mornings. We're getting ready to um, uh, go to Calvary and uh, talk this morning a little bit about what you all sang about. But what I was going to say, while you're finding your place in 2 Samuel 6 and 1 Chronicles 15, just to mark your Bible there, is that uh, every Sunday up in the youth um, ministry, up in the teen church, as we call it, uh, they're having a service in which the young people are ministering to one another. So they sing some of these songs to some of the young people that come, either with parents or ride the bus. I think that's fantastic that they get to help and serve one another and whether uh, whatever way they get to do that. And then, of course, the word being preached there. I know right now Brother Seth's preaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, that's an important book for you all to hear, you know, and, and uh, hearing the conclusion of the matter before you waste a bunch of years in your life. Just listen to Solomon. He'll save you a bunch of heartache. He said, I tried everything under, under the sun and uh, women and money and hilarity and all these things. And he found it empty, you know, so it'd be good for you if you just go ahead and say, you know, I'm going to live for whatever Solomon said. And that's to fear God and keep his commandments. That'll save you a whole lot. So thank you, Brother Seth, uh, for preaching that and Brother Dylan and others that preach through the book of Ecclesiastes. And some say, well, you, you kind of you have to dumb things down for young people today. Not smart young people. No, not any really young people at all. I think uh, teens, teens get more, young people get more than what we give them credit for sometimes and think they have to be constantly entertained with game systems. No, all you got to do is just open up the Bible and preach to them and your, your life will benefit right there. That's good. So, all right. That's sermon number one. <laughs> okay. Second Samuel six and verse number 12, it says, and it was told King David saying, the Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David. And what's it say? The next uh, little prepositional phrase there with gladness. Didn't go well the first time, did it? Didn't go well. He didn't do it right. We'll get to that in review. But now they bring it into the city, uh, the city of David as it is here, the city of Jerusalem with and gladness. Verse 13. <clears throat> and it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet, the shofar, a ram's horn, as they would blare that. And man, don't you know, this was a joyous occasion. Great celebration. Verse 16, and as the ark of the Lord came, into the city of David, Michael's, notice how every time it refers to Michael, it refers to her in this text as Saul's daughter. You know why? Because she was acting more like Saul's daughter than David's wife. She was looking at this through the eyes of Saul, her dad, that was backslidden. And so she didn't get in on the celebration. It says she looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing 
before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David uh, offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Notice how many times it refers to before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dealt among all the, all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel as well, to the women as men, to everyone, a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine, so that all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today. Uh, she's got an attitude. How glorious. Can you hear her saying that? Oh, how glorious. How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of all the handmaidens, handmaids of the, his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. And David said unto Michael, it was before the Lord. He didn't do this before the maidens. In fact, he didn't need another wife. Come on. It was before the Lord, which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I, therefore will I play before the Lord. Before the Lord. Again, there it is, that same phrase, before the Lord. And I will yet be more vile than thus and will be base in mine own sight. In other words, he's saying there, listen, it's not about me. And of the maidservants, which thou, of whom thou, which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. And then, and then it weighs in in verse 23 to show that Michael was out of place to make such comments because uh, it weighs in in this sense of what God did. It says, therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child unto the day of her death. And she was the first wife of David, so their child, if a son, would have potentially been the king of Israel next. But, but God said no. It may be they, that's, uh, yeah, anyways, it may have been that just that their relationship just wasn't strong at all anymore. But I think, I think this is a theological statement about how God pass some judgment here. I think that's what's going on. Okay. So again, we come to a very unique text and uh, obviously we're going to need God's help to get into it and catch up where we've been and go where we're going. And so the title of the message tonight is this, and I think we all need it, a renewed zeal for the holiness of God, a renewed zeal for the holiness of God. Let me run this by you too. Okay. It's better to take steps that please the Lord than it is to get things rolling without his approval. It's better to take steps that please the Lord than to get things rolling like on a wagon without his approval. It's better to take steps, steps. So may God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. Let's think about that here together tonight, if you would, please.
There'll be several here tonight that are maybe new to Bible reading and encouraging that. Just keep, keep reading. Just keep reading. A lot that have read the Bible many times. And, and um, you know, I've noticed this. You can't read the scriptures without noticing that a chief characteristic of our God is holiness. It's all throughout the Bible. The holiness of God. We can say, well, what about the love of God? Oh, yes. But his love is holy. Well, what about the power of God? Oh, yes. But thank God his power is used in a holy way. Holiness means set apart, different than, other than. Uh, you make a grave mistake when you think God's like you and that he's kind of like your buddy, only your equal, like a peer. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, he's other than we are. His ways are higher than our ways. In the context of Isaiah 55, even, it's not, it's not necessarily even just saying that, you know, there's things happening in life that I don't understand and his ways are higher than our ways, although that's true. But in the context, his ways are higher than our ways in that he's holy and we're not. He's holy and we're not. He said to Moses, draw not nigh hither, but put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And he was just standing on a piece of leather, maybe about less than a quarter inch thick. But God's saying to him, listen, you're too high in my presence. You got to get low. <laughs> the holiness of God. I believe we need a renewed vision of the holiness of God, don't you? And a renewed vision of it. And Exodus 15, it says, who is like unto thee among the gods? This is in the song as they came across the Red Sea. Who is like unto thee among the gods? And, and by the way, whenever you see the terminology, gods, little g, um, there are none. There's only one God. And, and so he's just, it's just almost sarcastically saying, who is like unto thee among the gods as if there are any? There's not any, but there's none like you, O Lord, who is like the glorious in holiness, glorious, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Leviticus 11, the Lord says, for I am Lord, your God, you shall therefore sanctify yourself. So sanctify is based on that word holy. So God is saying, I am holy, be ye holy. And so when you come into my presence, sanctify yourself, cleanse yourselves. Uh, in Isaiah 6, in verse number 3, one cried out to another. This is the angelic beings that were around the throne of God that cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Can you imagine that scene there as they're crying out over and over, holy, 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 the Lord of hosts. No wonder uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians believers after they were saved, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, he said. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And then in chapter 7, it says this, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of this and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Hebrews chapter 12 and 28 says, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God. Listen to this, whereby we may serve God acceptably, 
or pleasing to Him acceptably with reverence and godly fear. With reverence and godly fear for our God, He says, is a consuming fire. Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 8, the four living creatures, each of them having six wings and, and full of eyes around and within. And day and night, do they not, do they, they cry out uh, and they say this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And then Revelation 15 and verse 4, who will not fear, uh, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify thy name, for thou alone art holy. Warren Wearsby said, many of God's people today have lost the awesome sense of the holiness of God. They've lost the awesome sense of the holiness of God. And as a result, he goes on to say this, we try to sell the church to the world by conveying the unbiblical idea that Christianity is fun. An entertainment-based mentality. You know, I don't think that when the elders and Moses were gathered around Mount Sinai, they would come away saying, man, didn't we have a great time? Wasn't that a lot of fun? No, I mean, they, they, were, they were saying, we're going to die because God is so holy. I don't, I don't think that as, as, um, as, as you think about Isaiah and he sees the Lord and he hears those angelic beings crying, holy, 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 a fun time wasn't the main thing on his mind. One right, right. Wearsby went on to say, as I contemplate my sinfulness and God's holiness, I want to join Job and Isaiah and Peter and John and fall on my face in reverence and godly fear. What health is to the body, holiness is to the soul. What health is to the body, holiness is to the soul. Let me read just a little bit more from uh, Warren Wearsby. This was very helpful as I found it. I was just going back through some notes, even in the book of Leviticus that talks about the holiness of God. And, and he said this, um, speaking in general, I, do you agree with the premise here tonight that by and large, churches in America have lost the sense of the fear of God and even the holiness of God and treating God in a flippant way. And, and uh, you know, I mean, you have even a, 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 some debate that hit, you know, the uh, social media waves even this week as a pastor said, you know, should we really uh, bring coffee and sip on coffee into the, uh, into the sanctuary? And that caused a little bit of an uproar because Christianity is much more casual now. People want to sip on their lattes while they listen to the sermonettes. Okay, I'm not quoting Wearsby here. That just kind of came to me. But <laughs> Wearsby said, whatever else the church may be known for today, buildings, budgets, crowds, busy schedules, it's certainly known for holiness. That's an indictment. It's an indictment. He said that there was no such thing as the secular and the sacred in the Old Testament saint. Everything in life belonged to God. It's only when God's holiness is increasingly begins to touch every area of our life. Let me ask you tonight, what area of your life should not be subjected to the holiness of God? 
What area of your life should be exempt from that? I, I can't think of any that, that should be exempt from that. Which, by the way, doesn't mean that we don't enjoy life. Oh, by no means. Uh, can't you see in the text that David's enjoying life right here? Like in a major way, like he's dancing. It's only two times in the Bible that it's mentioned is dan that he's dancing. And I'm not going to demonstrate here for you tonight, but I will explain it. How's that? <laughs> Anyways. Every area of our life should be filtered through the fact that God is holy and he wants us as his people to be holy. Um, he says, it makes no difference how loudly our friends applaud if God is displeased with us. Doesn't matter how loudly our friends applaud. It doesn't matter how many times that they gets passed on, reposted, whatever it may be. It doesn't matter how many times that that gets, gets around. If God does not approve we seek to live a holy life, not so that we can be recognized as holy people, but in order to please a holy God. I think that's an important statement. We don't seek to be holy or we don't seek, let me read it right here. We don't seek to live a holy life so that we, we could be recognized as a holy people. The Pharisees wanted that. Okay, so we don't seek tonight to live a holy separated life unto God, whether we're talking about a church separation that we're separated from other churches that don't believe the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. Or we're talking about just um, separation, personal separation in terms of, of living a life that's separated unto God. We shouldn't seek to live a holy life so that we get to be known as a holy people, but rather this, that we want to please a holy God. And then as a result of that, just a byproduct, is that we would be known as people that are separated unto God. I'm just saying tonight, I think we need a fresh glimpse, just like David did, a fresh glimpse and a fresh zeal, a, a great and renewed zeal for the holiness of God. Before we get into it here tonight and, and just do a little bit of a review before we move on, I was reminded when I was preaching up at uh, Treasure Mountain in Colorado, Marble, Colorado, and there's a group of teenagers, this youth night, so it kind of hit my mind. And there's a group of young people that were there. And, and uh, by all outward marks, they seemed like a pretty carnal youth group. Um, just, um, I, I'm not going to go into all the particulars. I think you know what I'm, what I'm saying, right? I mean, I could, just, I could just sense it. I could feel it. I could sense, I could discern it, that there's just a certain carnality that was there. And by the way, it's not a youth group that's here represented. I don't think there's any even students from this church. So on safe grounds, just to mention it this way. And so I thought, man, I'm going to preach the sin right out of them. <laughs> I thought, man, it's on. I'm going to preach against everything that they like. I'm going to hit their music and I'm going to hit their dress. I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit, uh, I'm going to hit relationships. I'm going to hit, cause I'd already seen some of the guys hanging on the girls and girls hanging on the guys at youth camp, at youth camp, right? I mean, I know that some of you have heard this before, but I heard about the guy at youth camp that was, that was holding hands with his girlfriend at youth camp. And his youth pastor came up to him and said, young man, don't you know the Bible says that it's not good for a man to touch a woman? He said, yes, sir, but the Bible also says, hold fast to that which is good. Okay, so anyways, I was already kind of picking up on this that, man, they're coming from a pretty carnal background. They're into all the styles and they're hanging on each other. And I thought, man, I'm just going to rear back. And I, I mean, just gun barrel straight. I'm going to give them both barrels Monday night. I mean, just right out of the gate, we're going to get it to them. And God said, well, why don't you just tell them about me? Yeah, come on. Wow. That's good. 
Because I'd done that Monday night and Tuesday morning, and then, and then I'm serious, it wasn't like an audible voice, don't get me wrong, but it was like I was there in the mountains, I was spending some time with the Lord, it was a beautiful setting, our college class goes there, and it's a great setting, I was out there just close to where the waterfall is beyond the, beyond the uh, tabernacle, and I was just spending some time with the Lord, and he just, he just emphasized in my heart, just go back this next service and tell him how great and powerful and holy and loving and all the characteristics of God, and I'm telling you, I went back, brother and began to tell those young people about God the best that I could with God's help and just kind of went a different route. And I'm telling you, God moved in on the camp. And on Friday night, we had a testimony service. And one of those young people that I thought was carnal at the beginning of the weekend, because they were, but at the end of the week, she said this. She said, you know, I came to camp and I didn't think that you could know God, but now I know a little bit more about him and I want to know more about him. And I thought, thanks be to God. You know, I think sometimes we need to be careful. And yes, we don't need to hold back in preaching what is, what is right and, and having good godly standards and all those things. But I'll tell you where really it'll get on is right here is if we'll just emphasize just how great God is and how holy that God is. Because if we don't emphasize that, it's still just very man-based and it won't last. But if we get how great God is, then you want to live for him. Then whatever, whatever it is that's upon you that, that is going to be helping you walk in the path, it's not like a drudgery because you got a fresh vision of how great God is. Do you get it? We just need to emphasize who God is. And young people, I want to encourage you here tonight, just get to know him. Don't get hung up on every little thing. Get to know him and everything will be all right. You got it? Is that, is that good counsel, adults? I, I don't want to... Yeah, I mean, just get to know him. Get in your Bibles and get to know him. Just pray before you get in and open up the Bible and say, God, I really want to know you. Hey, listen, I believe God. God in heaven wants, he knows you and wants to get to know you. And wants to, he, he doesn't need to get to know you. He knows you so well. He wants you to get to know him. And if you want to spend time with God, I guarantee you God wants to spend time with you. So get in the word and get to know him. And, and, but here, here we are, we're in 2 Samuel and we're looking at the life of David and what David did. And David had a good desire, but listen, David, David wanted to do the right thing, but he did the right thing in the wrong way. And, and he was making great progress. He was making great progress in Israel. He's now the king, not just of Judah, but also the king of Israel. And they've taken the city of Jerusalem and, and things are moving ahead real well. They've overcome the Philistines on two different occasions. And so now he's thinking, I want to bring the ark. The ark was that, that chest that, that represented, listen tonight, it represented the presence of God. And so he said, I want God's blessings upon Israel. So to have God's blessings... I've got to have God's presence among the people. And so it was a really good desire. The only problem is, is that he went about it in the wrong way. See, God, the holy God that we're talking about tonight had already explained how the ark was to be transported and it was to be transported on the shoulder of the priest. The Levites, they were to carry the ark of God on the poles and as they would carry it, they would walk along. But David had, listen, David had been down in Philistia. David had been down in Gath and maybe it was there. I don't know. I can't, I'm totally speculating here, but, but somewhere they got the idea, you know, we got to go about 10 miles with this thing. It sure would be a lot faster if we just put it on a cart and just rolled. 
I, I said it, it'd be a lot easier, it, it'd be a lot faster, and it'd be a lot easier if we just put it on a cart. I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's a little bit of a heavy item rather than the priesthood carrying it. How about we just get a cart? Oh, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. He, he, he understood the significance of the ark, and so I'm not trying to re-preach the message, but I think we need to do a little bit of this to make sure that we're getting it. He said, listen, we can't just put this on any old cart. It can't be an old banged up cart that's a Bondo buggy. No, it's got to be a brand new cart that's never been used. And so let's get the, the cart maker to make a brand new one. Let's make it look really good. And so they put that, that Ark of the Covenant on a cart in violation of the revealed word of God. And as the cart was going along, then it came to a place that was, there's a little bit of a dip. And so the, the ark maybe started to make a little bit of a shift. And Uzzah put forth his hand just to stabilize it so that it would not fall. A good intention. But I'm telling you tonight, listen, good intentions do not make up for bad decisions. David had a good intention to get the Ark of the Covenant there. He wanted God's blessings, but he wasn't doing it God's way. And he thought, man, we're going to make some progress here. But listen, it's only progress if God approves. This progressive movement is not true progress if God doesn't approve. You look up the word progressiveness and what's going to happen is you look up the word progressiveness, you'll see conservative. That'll come right alongside of it. And so whether you're talking about the progress, quote unquote, that America thinks that it's making in various realms, it's only progress, friend, listen to me tonight. It's only progress if God approves. Whether it's a nation, whether it's a church, or whether it's a family, or whether it's your individual life, it's only progress if God can say that is the right thing and that is the right way. Because otherwise, you just busted out a new cart. And that's what they did. They busted out a new cart. They brought out a new cart and they got that model of ministry. They got that model of, of, of style. They got that from Felicia. They did not get that from the book of Numbers. And so Uzzah died right there. Boom, he dropped dead. Hey, um, God's serious. God's serious about holiness. And that's why, church, listen, before we move on, that's why even as a church and as your family and as individuals, that's why we want to be ever so careful to make sure that our lives are not, not a reflection of the culture that's around us but that our, our lives are a reflection of the book that he's given us. We want to make sure that it's lived out that way and not some new cart type style. So last week we talked about the, the mistake of trying to lead in the old paths with a new cart. And David blew it. But I sure am glad tonight that even when you mess up, God is gracious. And they took that ark and they put it in the house of Obed-Edom, which by the way, commend Obed-Edom for the courage to let the ark come into his household. Because it had already been proven in various cities in Philistia and then, then just right there before his very eyes that, listen, this is a very serious thing. So the Bible doesn't give us much detail about Obed-Edom and how he went about this, but I guarantee you, he wasn't just peeking in there at nighttime. Oh no, he, he, re he respected God's holiness. In fact, here's what we see. God put his blessings on the house of Obed-Edom. And David heard about it. Hey, listen, that's encouraging because even when you mess up, God can get you back if you'll do right. And so David heard about the blessings of God that were on the house of Obed-Edom, but David didn't want the blessings of God to just be on the house of Obed-Edom. He wanted them to be on the, on the house of Israel. Maybe you're here tonight and you've messed up. 
hey, there's still hope for you. There's still hope for you. He's a God that gives another opportunity. In fact, somebody said that the Christian life is really a series of new beginnings. Thomas Edison, you know how many times he messed up on the light bulb? But he said, I, I didn't fail. I just found 9,999 ways that it won't work. Did you know that Michael Jordan and I have a lot in common? <laughs> Two ways. One, we're both bald. <laughs> the other way, he missed a lot of shots, like 9,000 or more. Okay, I get paid to miss a lot of shots. The big difference, he hits some good ones. <laughs> And a bunch of them, and some very critical ones. 26 times he was given the ball to hit the last second shot and missed it. But you know what they did? They just kept giving him the ball because they knew he had a short memory and could come back at it. Are you listening to me tonight? Hey, even the greatest player misses. Even the greatest Christian messes up sometimes. Hey, listen, just because you messed up doesn't mean God's done with you. No, here's what you need to do. To be able to go forward, you get back in the book and see what God said, and then do it God's way, see? All right. So David heard that the blessings of God were on the house of Obed-Edom. And so now look at, uh, look at what it says. Um, let's see which way we want to go right here. It, it says here, David, David uh, brought them together in verse number 13. Uh, he's going to bring the ark in. Okay. Before we get to 13, let's go to first Chronicles. Okay. I had you turn there. Everybody still with me here? First Chronicles 15. Look at it. Okay. This goes into more detail because Chronicles is written from a priestly standpoint. And so the priests are going to give a lot of attention to how David went about this. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I do want you to see a few things here uh, tonight. It says in verse one, it says, and David made him houses in the house in the city of David and uh, prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. Verse number two, then David said, none ought to carry the ark of God, but who? The Levites. He got it. Hey, he got it. He realized we didn't do it right the first time. Let's do it right this time. The Levites need to carry the ark. And so then what he does, it says in verse three that he gathered all, he gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord into his place and prepared for it. And then it lists, and it's like 800 different individuals, if I remember right, I've got the notes here. But anyways, it's a large number of Levites that are involved in this. It's a huge, huge process, a huge deal. And in fact, Brother Aaron, the songs of Asaph and all that, I mean, this is kind of the beginning of it. If you go, well, chapter 16 is right after chapter 15. And chapter 16 is the praise of the Lord. I mean, it's, it's like one of the first hymns that David wrote. It's a powerful hymn. And it all came out of this situation right here. So you've got all the sons of, uh, of, the, of the Kohathites and so forth. Look at verse number 13 here. It says, for because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us for that we sought him not after due order. Hey, listen, you know what David's saying right there? I learned a lesson right here. I can't, I can't do things my own way and expect to have God's blessings on it. I'm gonna run that by you one more time. I can't do things my way and expect to get God's blessings on it. I gotta do things God's way to have God's blessings on it. And so that's what he's saying right there. In verse number 14 and 15, he talks about how they were gonna bring the ark up. And it says that the priests and Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of, of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon. Ooh, look at this, verse 15. As Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. Listen, to be able to go forward, they had to go back. To be able to go forward, they had to go back to God's word. Can I say to you tonight that as a nation, for us to go forward as a nation, we got to go back to God's word. For you to go forward as a family, you got to go back to God's word. For you to go forward as an individual, you got to go back to God's word. And that's what they did. 
Okay? As Moses commanded, according to the word of the Lord, hey, listen, God's word is not obsolete. It is not outdated. What, what is here is still good for us today. All right. Now look at uh, verse number 27. It says, and David was clothed. I just wanted to point that out because what, what, uh, what his wife said he did, he didn't do. He wasn't out there uh, exposing himself to the nation. He's falsely accused by his own wife. Okay, look at this, verse 27. David was clothed with a robe of fine linen and all the priests that bear the ark and the singers and, and Kaniah, the master of the song with the singers, David also had upon him and he fought of linen. So, I mean, he's got his kingly robes on and he's got the priest robes on. He's wearing clothes. Amen. Just thought I'd point that out. All right, now let's go back to 2 Chronicles with all that in mind. Okay, so what, what is he doing right here? He's saying, listen, we didn't get it right the first time. Let's, let's be sure to get it right this time. The priests are going to carry the ark just like God said, and they're going to go at a certain pace, and, and, and we're going we're to celebrate before God. So a lot of the same things were going on, but now this time it was right. It was right. Look at verse number three. Chapter six and verse three, back in 2 Samuel now. I'm sorry, not three, 13. And it was so, and it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, they paused. I, I'm, I'm inserting that just for clarity. They went six paces. He sacrificed oxen and fatlings. All right, so how was it? Okay, so they're, they're carrying the ark. And they start out and they go six steps, six paces. One, two, three, four, five, six. Why six? The text doesn't tell us. Maybe on the seventh day, God rested. I don't know. But before they took that next step, they offered oxen and they offered fatlings, which would be very prime cut of meat. They offered their best right there. Before they moved on, here's what they're doing. They're saying, God, I want to dedicate this journey to you. We've been on our own journey, but now before I take another step, I want you to know I'm on, I'm on your journey, not my own. And then they took those next steps. Okay, now listen, some, and I read both camps, I tried my best to figure out, okay, did they do this all the way, the eight to 10 miles? One, two, three, four, five, six, pause, sacrifices. Here we go again. You know, that's going to take a while. It was split. Some said they did. Some said they didn't. The text just says they did this six paces and that's what they did. I tend to think it was just the first bit, but it could have been all along the way. I don't know. Do you know? I wasn't there. <laughs> Let me say this to you. If they did, if they, they were just being super careful here and they were saying, man, he's a holy God. And we're only going to go six paces at a time. Is that six? And we're going to sacrifice, and then we'll go another six. That's going to be a slow process. I tend to think it was just the first. But either way, it sure was going to take a lot more time than just that brand new art, that new, brand new cart. Because that, that new cart would get things rolling. Huh? I mean, it's pulled by ox power. Huh? Oh, it's got a Hemi in it. 
oxen. I mean, man, come on, let's go. And man, they would be moving along. I mean, it's going to go at a faster pace. Hey, hey, it'd be a lot easier. They'd get there a lot quicker. But you know, God hadn't called us to get somewhere fast. God hadn't called us to do what's easy. God's called us to be holy. There's an easy way to build a church. There's an easy way to build a church. You can, I mean, we could be running 10,000 real easy if we just kind of backed up on a few things. It'd be pretty easy. It'd go a lot faster. Hey, there's, a, there's an easy way to get physical with somebody. And then you could go that fast. But wait a minute, there's a God in heaven that's got a holy way that he wants you to go. You listen to me? There's a holy way that he wants you to go. And it's going to be six steps at a time or real slow. And you better dedicate your life to God and say, I'd rather go six paces and go real slow and go at God's pace than to just roll along doing my own thing here. Without his approval, I want to go one step at a time with God's with God being pleased than just to roll along with my own way without his approval. So I don't know. I've got to be honest with you. I don't know if it was just that first steps, those steps, and then they dedicated in the rest of the journey. But I do know this for sure. They went the rest of the way and they carried it all the way back into Jerusalem and they carried it there. And it, listen, oh my soul, that ark entered into Jerusalem for the very first time. And David started whirling about. It wasn't, he wasn't seductive in this. Satan uses dance. Dance is very seductive today. Satanic dance and what's on television and what's on music videos is very sensual very seductive. That is not what David was doing. David was not busting a move here. David was not breaking it down. David was simply whirling about. He's jumping up in the air. He's running and he's so excited about what God is doing. Come on. I mean, if God does something like this, don't you think you ought to get a little bit excited about it? It's sad. I like what William Blakey said. He said, there's a place for calmness and there's a place for enthusiasm. But it's sad that all of our coldness goes to Christ and all of our enthusiasm goes to the world. Mm. Come on now. It's sad that Christ gets all of our coldness and the world gets all of our enthusiasm. It'd be bad to sit there and say, for all he's done, I'm going to sit on my hands here and praise him. Every now and then you got to say amen. 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 I mean, first time as a teenager, I said amen out loud. I thought it a bunch of times. One time I just ran back because that preacher was preaching the truth. And I said, amen. I thought. <laughs> amen. And every now and then you might, you might be inclined to raise a hand. And then every now and then you might be inclined to say, Glory to God. Hey, I don't want anything fake, neither do you. Isn't that right? Amen. I don't want any fake fire or some kind of wild thing that's drummed up and hyped up. But when you get a hold of who God is and it does something on the inside, sometimes all you can do is just say, praise the Lord. True. Praise the Lord. Praise God for who he is. Hey, not a thing wrong with that unless you're Michael. Sitting up there perched in your icy cold window room. Looking down on your husband because he's getting a little bit happy in the Lord. Well, you ought to be getting happy in the Lord too, sister. <laughs> Sit up there looking down your nose, your saw-looking nose on everybody. <laughs> okay, none of this is in my notes, okay? But 
You shouldn't be up there just like looking at them, just getting happy and saying, pray, what a foolishness. This is ridiculous, man. I, I, that, that is so, they're so fake. Hey, wait a minute. And then for her to say, oh, how glorious was the king today as he's whirling about and trying to get the eye of some young maiden. And David said, hey, I wasn't interested in some maiden. I was interested in the Lord because of who he is and what he's done. And he forgave me and he gave me another chance. I'm just here to thank him. I don't care who, who thinks I've lost my mind. I'm just here because God's so good. Amen. Listen to me tonight. Hey, don't let some, some religiously cold... Backslidden member keep you from praising God? I don't fake it. But if it's in there, let her fly. I mean, everybody's got their personalities. I understand that. And generally, I, you know, I just mentioned I got a text from Brother McCracken. You know, usually when he's here, we hear him before we see him. Isn't that right? I mean, you hear him, Amen. Glory, something like that. I mean, he's getting, he's getting with it. Man, that just fires you up. And I realize that, that, could, that somebody could say, well, that's just a bunch of religious hype. But I know better than that. I know that God, God's real to him and, and like he's real to many of you and you say praise the Lord. You thank God. Hey, just let her fly. I'm talking about emotionalism, but I'm talking about when God stirs your emotions, you just have to praise him because he's been so good. He's been so good. What'd you do yesterday when that touchdown was scored at the, in the last seconds of the game? I just quietly sat there and said, oh, that was good. No, I guarantee you that there's a bunch of OU fans sitting there in Texas and as that last score was made and he dropped that dime there in, the, in that corner of the end zone and nobody was sitting there by themselves. They, well, the Texas fans might have been, but, but the OU fans, they stood up and said, Okay, now somebody might not have went that crazy, but, but they, they didn't sit there and think, oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> So why should the world get that kind of enthusiasm and in church people are just kind of sitting there dead and, and blessed by a good song like we've been all day long and nobody even saying amen or just sitting there, bless me if you can. Come on, man. You just saved forever and ever and ever. He just forgave your soul of wretchedness. Hey, thank and praise God along the way. So David was there twirling about, whirling about in a ephod, in, in that linen ephod, and it was priestly garments. You know, he wasn't trying to play the part of the priest. All he's trying to do is just dress up for the occasion because this is a monumental event. He wanted to give God praise. Everything about it had everything to do with God, not about David. That's how it ought to be when we come to church. I want you to think about this one thing and then we'll be done. And it's simply this. It is better. It is better to go a step at a time pleasing the Lord than it is to get things rolling without his approval. Talked to somebody this morning and said, hey, I'm praying for you in that new relationship that's just getting started. Young man, young lady. <laughs> I'm not going to point them out. I'm not going to point you out. Don't get nervous. I'm not even looking your way right now. She said, man, don't go around the preacher. He's looking for illustrations, you know, so you don't want to get around him. And, but no, we were just greeting. And I said, hey, you know, I'm just, I want you to know I'm praying for you because that's a big deal. 
That's a big deal. And here's, here's something to the effect of what the individual said, said, we're, we're just trying to take it a step at a time. Just trying to wait on the Lord. We're not trying to get in a hurry here. We just want to try to go one step at a time and make sure that that step honors him. And that step honors him. And that step honors him. Not, not throwing that relationship on a wagon and meeting up somewhere secret. Messing around when you're not married. You don't have a marriage license. You can't, you can't do that. You're not supposed to drive without a driver's license. You're not supposed to be physical without a marriage license. Your pastor, I love you, and they start checking licenses. You get what I'm saying, though? I've learned firsthand it's just better to go at God's pace trying to please Him than it is to get this thing rolling without His approval. Without His approval. No, you need His approval, and you want His approval, I think, deep down. So don't let what, don't let what you want on a Friday night uh, take away what you want ultimately from God. Just go at His pace. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Young people, listen, listen, listen. You'll never regret it going at his pace. You listen to me? You'll never regret it. Some of you go to public school and you're going to get ridiculed. Some of you go to Christian school, you're going to get ridiculed because you're not in a relationship like everybody else your age is. But that don't matter because you're going at his pace. Listen to me. One step at a time, his pace, not your pace, his pace. His pace, his pace, his pace. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you this because it'll help you. And, and, and it's not your parents didn't even email me to say, hey, could you preach on this? No, I just, I got it from the text. And, and, and you need to go at God's pace, not your own pace. And listen, if the bus leaves at six, don't get on the bus at one. If the relationship bus leaves at six, don't get on it at one when it's 90 and, and 100 degrees there because you're going to get hot and upset and cranky and mad. I'm just simply saying to you, before you're, 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 six, you're 15, 16 years old, you're not ready for a real heavy relationship, so don't get in one because the bus doesn't leave till six and you're already on the bus at one. Yeah. I'd rather go at God's pace. Having my parents' involvement. I, hey, I'm telling you some things I wish that I had done. How about you? Yeah, come on. Huh? Some things I wish that we, that we had done even more. I, I want to make sure that Angie's dad's okay with this. And, and thankfully he was. And, and we did. And we moved ahead. But I want to go at the right pace here. And, and all these things are so important one step at a time. I'd much rather have God's pace in my life than just roll on at your own. Well, we could apply that several ways. How about finances? I'd rather go at God's pace one step at a time than, than to try to get this thing rolling without his approval. Man, I'm in a financial bond. All th- only thing I know to do is play the lottery. No, you'll go further down. Uh, it'd be better for you just to get a, a good uh, uh, job that's, that he can approve of rather than having a job he can't approve of. I'd much, rather, I'd much rather go slow and tithe and give and cut uh, spending and, and do all. I'd rather go one step at a time than to get this thing moving with my business. You know God in heaven is nowhere near that thing. Can you see how that approves, how that applies? I'm interested in church planting, aren't you? I'm interested in the gospel getting out, aren't you? I'm interested in this church growing, aren't you? I'm interested in buses growing and classes growing and people growing, aren't you? Well, sure. Well, there's a right way to go about that. and There's a wrong way to go about that. 
I'd rather just go a step at a time, knocking a door at a time, talking to a person at a time, trying to lead one soul to Christ at a time, preaching the gospel one service at a time, than to say, you know, I think if we got all that the world's got out there and worldly churches have, then we could kind of get this thing rolling a little bit faster. No, no, I'd rather go at God's pace and have his approval than to get this thing rolling without his approval because he's a holy God. It's better. It's biblical. It's right. Let's walk with him. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening tonight. <clears throat> He's holy. You best remember that. It's only progress if he approves. He's holy. It better be on the forefront of our minds, whether we're talking about, well, it doesn't matter what area of life we're talking about. He's holy. I want to make sure he approves. He's holy. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. There's a lot of tough issues in life. I get it. I understand. A lot of things that though are addressed very, very clearly. Just start right there. You'll have plenty to do, no doubt. God, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Lord, I want to make sure even that the preaching is pleasing to you. And I think about those young people there at that Treasure Mountain. Thank you for reminding me to preach just how great you are. And, and then, Lord, we were able to get onto some topics, but it's got to start with who you are. So tonight, we start with who you are as our holy God, our kind and gentle shepherd that's leading us forward. I pray you'd help us to pay good attention to you here tonight. And to go at the pace that you want us to and to stop and to reflect and sacrifice figuratively speaking just to say lord your my life is yours so help us here tonight help the young people of our church just being youth night would you help them i pray in jesus name amen